Hello from the last frontier. This is Sourdough for Your Soul, a podcast where we delve into what it means to be a Christian, why we chose this path, and if we're lucky, maybe how we can get better at it. My name is Todd Brosty. I'm the head AV geek at First Presbyterian Church in Wasilla, Alaska, your host. In the next 30 minutes or so, we've got the good news, some bad jokes, prayers for all, stories to inspire, questions and answers, and maybe even some surprises. I hope you'll stick around as we add a bit of zing to your daily bread. Well, as this is our first ever sourdough for your soul, I thought I would take a bit of time to set the stage with a bit of the what and the why behind sourdough for your soul. So what is sourdough for your soul? Fundamentally, it is a place to dig into Christianity from every angle I can think of. We'll look at the history, the humor, the translations, the theories, and of course, the scripture to try and learn everything we can about Christianity, hopefully in a way that keeps the journey interesting. Let's face it, in this age of social media, streaming media of every color and flavor imaginable, contradicting news reports, unrest, and turmoil here around the world, many find themselves asking questions about life and faith, but unsure where the answers lie. Instant access to all that the internet offers gives us the opportunity to see glimpses of many different kinds of spirituality and the religious practices of people all over the world. There is a buffet out there that we can choose from, and we don't even have to leave our house to do so. The traditional Christian church is having a hard time keeping up. In fact, many people see the church as part of the problem, excluding, judging, and condemning those who may need it most. If God is free to anyone who seeks him, why do I need or perhaps even want a church? And if you want a church, which church? Which denomination? How are they different? How are they the same? Often, we tell them apart mostly by the jokes about them, such as Presbyterians are the frozen chosen. I'm a member of the Presbyterian church. We'll unpack that one later in all of its glory. Jews do not recognize Jesus as the Messiah. Protestants don't recognize the Pope as an authority figure, and Baptists don't recognize each other at the liquor store. Uh, Here's another one. Three pastors, a Presbyterian, a Methodist, and a Lutheran, were being interviewed, and they're asked, how would you describe your style of worship in two words? Presbyterian pastor says, good preaching. The Methodist says, great hymns. The Lutheran pastor sits and thinks for a long time and finally says, good bulletin inserts. We also have Anglicans, otherwise known as Catholic light, twice the fuss, half the guilt. And the final one, if there is no potluck, well, there are no Lutherans. And then there's Catholics and Mormons and Messianic Jews, and that's just the ones that believe in a resurrected Christ. The traditional Jewish and Muslim faiths have the same God, but differ on if the Savior has come and who he was. Then there are the pagan faiths of the world, Wicca and its brethren of beliefs, as well as those polytheistic religions, many a part of the indigenous cultures around the world. And of course, there's always the agnostics and the atheists. They're the whatever and the none of that thank you choices. It's a veritable cornucopia of the spiritual, and we have to find our place in it. So, as a Christian, I must be doing this to bring more Christians to the fold, right? That's the Great Commission, isn't it? Go forth and bring them all to the church. And the honest answer to that is, yeah, I hope so, but that's not really the main reason. See, I wasn't raised in the church. In fact, I was a confirmed heathen by the church's standard for much of my adult life. 
I chose to be a Christian because, thanks ultimately to my daughter, I found a teacher who helped me learn about faith and what it meant to me. And as I've grown in my faith, I've realized that there might be others like me looking to learn about faith and its place in our world. So, when our pastor came to us and said that he wanted to find new ways to reach out to our community in the world, as a fan of the conversational nature of podcasts, I sat down and sourdough for the soul was conceived. Okay, Todd, so why is sourdough for your soul? Let's talk about that for a bit. For you familiar with the Lord's Prayer and of Moses leading the Israelites around the desert without asking for directions, you are familiar with the biblical concept of daily bread. The secular version is just what it sounds like, what you need to survive each day. For some, it can be the literal bread they make to eat to survive, or the work we do each day to get our daily wage, which pays for our necessities. Biblically, it's what God gives us to keep us spiritually alive. It is the scriptures, the Holy Spirit, as well as the practices of prayer and worship. Like it says in Matthew 4, 3-4, Jesus is being tempted to be, use his divine power in the desert as a test. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus is quoting a passage from the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 8.3, about when the Israelites were following Moses around the wilderness. When they whined there was nothing to eat, God created manna that condensed out of the morning dew and kept them alive. Around the same time, he also gave them the law, which was important for a lot of reasons, but Jesus is telling his tempter, God's word will feed us in ways mere bread cannot. See how those Bible references just kind of jump in there? Anyway, bread... Well, I live in Alaska, and up here, we like our lives and our daily bread with a bit of zing. Good sourdough is like that. So if you've ever had good sourdough, you understand. If you've never had good sourdough, you need to try some. A-S-A-P. Seriously, go get some, put this on pause, and I'll wait. Get the really crusty sourdough if you can. Most decent bakeries make a version. And yes, I know that some of the best sourdough in the world is in San Francisco, Something about Northern California and the yeast up there. Probably same yeast that makes good wine. Anyway, you back yet? Good. Now, that we all understand about sourdough, that is what I hope to bring you here. Some of that daily bread, but with a bit of zing. But look, I'm not a preacher. I've stood in the pulpit a few times, and I've been told I'm a half-decent storyteller. I like corny jokes, and I've been around long enough and had just enough education to still enjoy learning about something, and still wise enough not to think my opinion is the only one out there. Oh, and I'm also a sucker for stories that get you right in the field, so there'll be some of that in there too. We'll look at the good news with the capital G and toss in some prayer, because I think it can't hurt. And with any luck, when we're done, you'll have comments and questions you'll be willing to share on the blog I set up to go along with the podcast over on firstpresswasilla.org. So, if you're still with me at this point, let's cut off that first big slice and really get into sourdough for your soul. Each episode will consist of five bites that I hope to keep consistent to give the show some structure. Time for the first bite, prayer. It's where we start and often end any form of worship or teaching. As every Christian will tell you, prayer is a good thing, but why? Prayer is our first best way of communicating with God. 
The Bible is full of folks praying to God, and according to most of what those same passages say, God is listening. We are taught that God wants a relationship with us. If we make that choice, and communication is an important part of every relationship. Since using burning bushes and columns of fire to talk to everyone in the world that wanted to talk to God would be terrifying, prayer is the next best option. Plus, it's good to remember that it's more than just the heavenly help desk hotline. You can do more than just ask for things when you pray. Communication is more than, hey, Dad, I want... Parents feel this a lot. But maybe you have questions. So do we all. And here's some quick notes. Do I have to get down on my knees, clasp my hands, and close my eyes to pray? Well, you certainly can if you find that is where you feel comfortable. But it probably isn't necessary. When I first started praying on a regular basis, I thought looking down actually made no sense. I was always taught that not looking at who I was speaking to was rude, so I always looked up and tried to smile. Another question. I've heard a pastor or preacher pray. I can't come up with a speech like that. Again, you don't have to. Some folks feel that keeping a very formal tone in prayer is proper. This is God, after all, creator of heaven and earth, etc., so a little respect and formality seems reasonable, but keep in mind, God knows you, all of you. So, if you are more comfortable with, hey God, this is George again, thank you for all you do, instead of, dear Lord, blessed are you for those, all that you choose to bestow upon this sinner. <laughs> Sorry, it just kind of begs the British accent. I'm pretty sure God isn't handing out critiques or bonus points for grammatical gymnastics. And something else to keep in mind, the more you do it, the easier it will get. You'll find your own groove and rhythm and the words will come easily. Now, what should I pray? Well, this is completely up to you, of course, but here's a quick guideline I try to follow. Remember about that whole heavenly help desk hotline thing. Next, be sure to acknowledge that this isn't just any conversation. This is God, starting out with Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, Dear God. However you identify with God, is it's just good form. Say thank you up front. If you take a moment, you can find a lot of things that you're thankful for. If you're really unsure of things to be thankful for, well, here are some suggestions. Your life, the world, and all its beauty and wonder. Your family, the things you feel good you're good at. You get the idea. Take time to apologize for your mistakes and ask forgiveness. This is often called confession, but for some reason, the idea of confession has always had a much darker tone in my mind. Saying, I'm sorry for whatever I feel I've fallen short on works better for me, but you can call it what you want. Petition the Lord. Ah, here's where you can ask for what you want. For me, I have a hard time asking for anything only for my benefit, so most of my petitions are for friends or family members of my church, even people I may not know that I have been asked to pray for. Finally, say thank you at the end. This should be self-explanatory. A quick aside, I believe it was my current pastor, Henry Woodall, that helped me form my prayer mode, as previously noted. He pointed out that if you're going to ask someone for something, it doesn't hurt to be nice before you do it. So, let's do a little praying, and we'll use the Lord's Prayer for this episode as it does just that. Our Lord, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
acknowledgement, and thanks for what will ultimately come to pass. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts and sins, as we forgive our debtors or those who sin against us. This is request and apology. Lead us not into temptation, rather deliver us from evil. This is a simple request for everyone. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. This is more acknowledgement than thank you, but it's still a nice touch. If you're looking for a way to start practicing prayer, the Lord's Prayer is a good place to start. It's simple and short enough for just about any time and can be a good way to lead to your own prayers. And time for the tasty bite. Little G good news from around the world. We have enough bad news out there, so I will do my best to find quick stories that brighten, enlighten, and hopefully make you smile. Here's today's. British choir makes the sweetest lullaby for a five-year-old in the U.S. when their singing is the only thing that helps her sleep. This was reported by the Good News Network on February 22, 2021. A British choir has come to the rescue of a little American girl suffering from night terrors by singing her to sleep with a special lullaby from 3,500 miles away. Ever since their dad, music teacher Rick, came across a video of the Bristol Man Chorus singing a sea shanty last summer, Five-year-old Rosalind Kane and her sister Evelyn have been huge fans of the all-male group. When Rosalind began having nightmares, Rick reached out to the choir from his home in Pennsylvania to see if they could help his daughter through the power of song. Choir director Sam Burns got to work immediately, crafting a personal lullaby for his friend. The lyrics are simple and lovely. Rosalind, Evelyn, sing good night. Rosalind, Evelyn, close your eyes. Sweetest dreams, all warm and bright. Rosalind, Evelyn, sing good night. The director then thought to himself, she loves the whole choir. I can arrange it for the boys to sing. The group got together via Zoom and created an amazing video of the whole group singing the rich layered harmony of the song. And how is little Rosalind's sleep nowadays? Her bad dreams are getting better, says Rick. I think she enjoys the added benefit of the personalized song being hers. The best part is that the video is on YouTube, and I'll include it in the blog post about this issue for you to check it out for yourself. It is awesome. Now, time for the crust. Bad jokes. This is pretty self-explanatory. Bear with me on these. I won't do a lot of them at one time, but I do love them. This man went to his rabbi and said, I'm very troubled by my son. He went away. He came back a Christian. The rabbi said, you know, it's funny you say that. My son, too, left home. He came back a Christian. They decided to pray about it. God said, you know, it's funny you should say that. And one more for the Alaska set. A pastor skips services one Sunday morning to go bear hunting in the mountains. As he turns the corner along the path, he and a bear collide. The pastor stumbles backwards, slips off the trail, and begins tumbling down the mountain with the bear in hot pursuit. Finally, the pastor crashes into a boulder, sending his rifle flying off in one direction, breaking his leg. The pastor is lying there. He's lost his gun, and here comes the bear. He cries out in desperation, Lord, I repent for all I've done. Please make this bear a Christian. The bear skids to a halt at the pastor's feet, falls to his knees, clasps his paws together, and says, Lord, I do thank you for the food I am about to receive. And time for the big bite. 
Big G Good News and our episode's message or guest. For this first episode, I don't have any guests. You're stuck with just me. So today's good news and message comes from one of the first times I ever stepped into the pulpit, but it's a favorite of mine, and I think it'll be a fun way to start off this project. Dancing. Almost all of us do it in some form or another. You might be gifted with rhythm or cursed with what can only be called dork dancing, but it is what it is, and in today's online culture, your particular style has probably been captured on a cell phone somewhere. To some, it is a leap down the road of sin, a gateway to depravity, especially if you choose that wicked rock and roll music. But for some, it can be a form of, mu- of worship, music, and movement, combining with prayer and lifted to God with every step or gesture. Just to be clear, I graduated the year Footloose came out in the theaters. Kevin Bacon was one of my high school heroes. Back to dancing. David did it in the Old Testament. In 2 Samuel 6, 14, 15, you get, Wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might, while he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sounds of trumpets. Personally, I like the slightly different wording in the message translation, which says that David, quote, danced with great abandon before God, unquote. He was trying to get God's attention, so he put on priestly garb and laid down his best moves in front of the ark. As a side note, I did try to find out what kind of dance he might have done, but could only find reference to what was known as, quote, an ecstatic dance, one that often accompanied prophecy or other ritual. With David being a warrior, I find myself thinking of something akin to the Maori haka, powerful movements with a lot of really intense facial expressions and chest slapping. In any case, it must have been good because Saul's daughter, Michael, tried to play the, quote, royalty doesn't do that in front of the peasants card, and David simply replied, in God's presence, I'll dance all I want. Since David became the king, whose line was to eventually give us the son of God, and Michael had no more children, I'm going to put the, quote, dancing for God firmly in the things God probably likes category. Now, While dancing in general isn't the main focus here, I wanted to offer a quick observation about dancing for God. If you attend church regularly in most of this country, you may have noticed that while David did it, most congregations don't do a lot of it. But maybe they should. Google videos of gospel choirs and you'll see them dancing up a storm while they sing, absolutely chock full of the Holy Spirit. Looks like a lot of fun. Style of dance? Not sure that it matters but I'll refer you back to that ecstatic dancing David did. Whatever you want to call it, I have no doubt it was God-led. For the rest of us so inclined, I offer what I consider the perfect option. Grab Google and look up the word balter, B-A-L-T-E-R. It means to dance artlessly, without particular skill, but with enjoyment. So it appears there is precedent to be found that we can dance for God, But what about dancing with God? Confession time. When I was much younger, I used to teach what most call ballroom dance, which is actually the umbrella term for a whole slew of different styles of dancing with a partner. This sets it apart from other styles such as ballet, jazz, tap, etc., and is divided into styles like smooth, Latin, swing, and country western. If you've ever watched Dancing with the Stars on TV, then you've seen examples of ballroom. I admit to being a bit of a fan, though I'm a horrible person to watch it with, 
because I'm really vocal when I disagree with a judge. But what does this have to do with God? I'll get there, I promise. If you've seen or done any couples dancing, you probably have contemplated any or all of the following. Do I have a sense of rhythm? How do I find a partner? What dance goes with what music? What are the stamps of this dance? And how do I not step on my partner's feet? Now, all of these are important, but the most important part of dancing as a couple is what we call lead and follow. And here, believe it or not, is where we bring them together. You've heard of lead and follow, right? There's that famous quote, lead, follow, or get out of the way. Personally, I think that quote is kind of rude, actually. It has very little to do with dancing or our faith. According to the quote, you can either choose to be a leader and get in line or get in line and be led. But if you're not going to do either, then move aside. I imagine a long rope with people tied along the length with someone at one end pulling the whole group along, pushing past anyone who doesn't move fast enough. I suppose it may work to some extent, but it's not very efficient. It can breed resentment on the part of those being led and those who aren't really interested in being part of it. <laughs> well, of course, as it happens for most of my life, this is very much what I thought Christianity and the church were all about. Preachers dragging people who were willing to be led around and ignoring or scorning anyone who didn't want to take a hold of their rope. However, having learned to dance, as I came into my faith and began my own dance with God, I realized two very important things. That my view of lead, follow, or get out of the way didn't seem to be what God intended. And I think God must have been a ballroom dancer. Let's look at the similarities. One, before you even start, you and your partner must agree on what dance you're going to do. Think of your life as one of God's playlists, created just for you. Depending on where you are in life, the music will be different. You typically don't jitterbug to the really sad song, usually. And sometimes a fast-moving polka is the only way you're going to get from here to there. As the music changes, God will choose an appropriate dance, but you have to agree to step into hold and take those first steps. That is your choice. What many of us don't really realize is that God will wait for you to make that choice. He's a really good dance partner that way. Two, there has to be a lead and a follow. It's the lead's job to decide where to go, what steps to dance, and to protect the follow as much as possible from the hazards on the floor. Connection to your partner is key. I taught that basic connection goes like this. Lead stands with their hands at their sides. The follow stands in front of them and puts their hands on the lead's chest, arms extended, but not locked. I would have the lead take slow, deliberate steps in all directions. The follow was to feel the lead move through that connection and always stay in the same position in front of them. This teaches the lead to move with purpose while the follow learns to feel the movement and respond. It requires the person leading to think a few steps ahead to plan and attention from the person following on the connection between them. Bonus, a good connection keeps the person following from getting their toes stepped on. But it only really works if the person following gives up some measure of control. If you're both always fighting to do it your way, it's never going to work. We used to say, don't back lead. 
Corollary, if, if you insist on always backlading, no one will want to dance with you. <laughs> Even God will just let you lead if that's what you want, but you'll do it on your own. A good lead will steer you around obstacles and other hazards as much as possible, but there's no guarantee a collision won't happen. Stuff happens, both on the dance floor and in life. It's inevitable. So let's assume for the moment that God is better at leading than you are. What's left for you? Following with style and grace is actually quite a challenge. It takes work and practice to attune to that connection to really feel what is being led. This kind of corresponds to prayer and worship if you think about it. Your lead can see things you can't, and as a result may move you suddenly in an unexpected direction to avoid a collision or hazard or even to take the hit if something can't be avoided. Corollary here. You learn to trust that your lead won't purposely try to place you where you could get hurt. Let's go back to scripture. John 8, 12. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Now, a good lead will teach you new steps as you get more experienced, building on what you already know to help you learn more. A great lead can often take someone with a good connection through steps they've never even tried before. The lead may be choosing the steps and the direction, but when you really follow, the dance smooths out, really feels the music, and is a true joy to be a part of. When that starts to happen, adding your own style becomes part of the fun. Corollary. A really good lead really wants you to enjoy the dance and will actively work to provide opportunities where you can add your own flourishes. One of the earliest rules of dance I learned was it's the lead's job to make their partner look good. And finally, when the song reaches its inevitable end, it is the lead's job to take their partner by the hand and escort them safely off the dance floor. Now, this may be a small thing in dancing, but it is perhaps the biggest thing of all at the end of our own personal song. I read an interesting article that gave some good evidence that on a physical and psychological level, we may have some innate wiring towards spirituality and religion. We can measure the release of happy brain chemicals when we dance and probably when we worship. I taught people to dance, and I can attest to the joy they felt when it quote-unquote came together. Heck, it's even kind of the theme of the New Testament. Jesus wandering around, picking his favorite outcasts and telling them, follow me. Once he had his crew, they said pretty much the same thing to the people. Take another look at John 8, 12. And now that you know you should go sign up for dance lessons to better understand the nature of God, Let's take a final look at that quote from earlier, shall we? I think we change lead, follow, or get out of the way to, he will lead, we'll learn to follow, and no one will be in the way. I like that a lot better. You know, many people talk about their walk with God, but I think from now on, I'm going to try to talk about my dance with God. You see, sometimes I falter. Most times I balter. And every now and then, I really trust in him, feel that connection to follow God's lead and end up truly dancing with abandon. Okay, so time for last bites. 
questions from our listeners. <laughs> well, again, since this is the first episode, I don't have any questions to answer from all of you, but I really want to have some. So here's how we'll do that. Go to firstpresswasilla.org. That's all one word. And look for the blog link in the options along the top of the page. Click on it. Then click on sourdough for the soul link on the right side of the page. Find the blog post for the episode you want to ask a question about. Click on the comments link for that episode and leave me a name and a question in the comment section. It's that easy. When I'm preparing the next episode, I'll pull those questions and try to answer some of them here on the podcast. If I don't pull your question to be answered on the podcast, I'll still do my best to answer it in the blog. Finally, it's time for the crumbs, our final thoughts. First of all, if you made it all the way here, thank you very much. When our church made the choice to limit services as a result of the pandemic, the question was asked, how are we going to adapt our ministry to keep helping people in their faith? So we did some serious tech work and we started streaming our services, doing our best to keep true to what our congregation was used to. When we had that going, we started looking for new ways to reach more new people not just in Alaska, but wherever they were, and not just for Sunday services. As an avid fan of a few podcasts, I thought this would be a perfect way to dig deeper into questions about faith and Christianity. Share some of the gospel and maybe brighten someone's day all at the same time. So, if you liked what you heard, I hope you'll come back and help me make this a place where we can share in the journey together. Next time, we'll talk a bit about a couple of biggies in the Christian faith, sin and the law. I hope you'll join me. And as always, a quick reminder, if you are looking to attend services and you live in Alaska's Matsu Valley, we encourage you to drop by and check out First Presbyterian Church of Wasilla. Our worship services are on Sundays at 10 a.m. and we're located at 1375 East Bogard Road in Wasilla. You can also check in with our live Facebook stream Sundays at 10 Alaska Standard and we also post link to those services on our webpage, firstpresswasilla.org. And with that, we'll lick our fingers and sign off with one of my favorite benedictions from Numbers 6, 24 to 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace this day and forevermore. Blessings to you all. Hope to find you here again next time for another big slice of sourdough for your soul. <laughs>